Good morning, everyone. This morning we find ourselves in Exodus 23. You may have a title in your Bible that also occurred back in the middle of Exodus 22. It's called Sundry Laws, or Sundry. I'm not really sure of the pronunciation there, but S-U-N-D-R-Y, Laws. And that just means various um, laws, or they're not always necessarily connected. That's what that term means. Now, recall those terms those insertions, those titles above certain sections of Scripture are not biblically inspired, but sometimes they can be helpful to just cue us in as to what, you know, the next verses are going to be about. So let's go ahead and dig in. You shall not bear a false report. Do not join your hand with a wicked man to be a malicious witness. You shall not follow the masses in doing evil nor shall you testify in a dispute so as to turn aside after a multitude in order to pervert justice, nor shall you be partial to a poor man in his dispute. Now, I just think it's quite special how just our God is. Isn't it interesting that he says, don't even be partial towards a poor man in his dispute? And I think sometimes, you know, Rich man, poor man, it could be that our heart would go out to the poor man. But God's not a respecter of persons, and he doesn't show partiality. And he does care about the poor. We've seen that already, and we're going to see that a lot throughout the Bible. And he cares about the needy. But regarding justice, he doesn't look at that or want us to look at that regarding justice. He just wants us to do what's right and just and you know, I, I think of what's going on today in our world and that a lot of the, the, the liberal side of our political scheme tends to look at anyone who is well off or wealthy as wrong, as the oppressor, and they're not looking at things with partiality, or they are looking at things with, with partiality. They're 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 giving favor to you know, the poor or the needy, instead of just saying what's right and just. And man, I, I just am as going through this with you guys again, like I just marvel at the justice and righteousness of our God. And then, you know, I got done teaching yesterday in Exodus 22 and I'm like, well, I'll have another opportunity because you know what I, what I thought of is just a challenge to you and I are, are we operating ourselves with the utmost integrity? Um, we need to do what's right. And we need to do what's right with our finances. We need to do what's right with how we treat people. With um, We just need to be, we need to be just. And, you know, I think we can learn that from God our Father here in His Holy Word. And uh, may that be a challenge to us to make sure that we're doing what's fair, that we're people of integrity. We should be, you know, the highest and most as far as being an example of integrity. Christians, we we should, that should be part of who we are. Um, being very careful to do what's right. If you meet your enemy's ox or his donkey wandering away, you shall surely return it to him. Isn't that interesting? If you see the donkey of one who hates you lying helpless, helpless under its load, you shall refrain from leaving it to him. You shall surely release it with him. Isn't that great? I mean, even if someone doesn't like you, we still do what's right. You know, I just read a report. It was rather interesting that 
there was an attack in January, a terrorist attack in Iran, and a bunch of people were killed. Uh, they were, I think, having a, a some kind of memorial for uh, the the Iran's war guy, Soleimani. Is that how you pronounce it? The guy that actually America killed, and they were going to do like a festival or celebration to honor to honor him, and then. Uh, the USA got notice that there was going to be an attack and they actually contacted, now Iran's a big enemy, but they actually contacted Iran and said, hey, be very careful. We have a report or some kind of, you know, evidence that there's going to be a terrorism attempt at, at this festival you're doing. And there was, but we actually called our enemy, America did, just to let them know about that. And I thought, wow, that's that's pretty cool. I'm, I'm glad that we did that. Um, all right, verse 6. Uh, you shall not pervert justice due to your needy brother in his dispute. So listen to that. Like even if our family was in court or there was a, a situation where our family was involved, we are supposed to do what's right and just and not just favor our family. Interesting. Keep far from a false charge. Uh, look how God cares so much about doing what's right. And do not kill the innocent or the righteous, for I will not acquit the, the guilty. So there's a penalty for doing what's wrong, too, before God. He, uh, you know, he likes just scales and measures. You shall not take a bribe, for a bribe blinds the clear-sighted and subverts the cause of the just. We just had an America where uh, someone was trying to bribe Carrie Lake from Arizona to not go further into seeking a place in politics. I think she was maybe going to run for Senate or something like that. And her political party was trying to bribe her to not do it. And uh, that guy already has resigned now. It's not what we are to do. Let's get involved with bribes. You shall not oppress a stranger since you yourselves know the feelings of a stranger, for you also were strangers in the land of Egypt. You might have the word sojourner there too, which means living kind of in a foreign land. And, and isn't that interesting? God has compassion on uh, someone like that who's living legally in another land uh, because you were living legally in another land too. And uh, that's interesting. You know, God... One of the things we're going to see, we're going to see some some harshness here in a moment. But if there were people that wanted to assimilate and follow Yahweh, uh, God was good with that. Like people could come and want to follow the Jewish God, the Hebrew God, follow Him, and and but if they didn't, if they were going to tempt Israel to worship false gods. There was a, a very different treatment towards um, that temptation. You shall sow your land for six years and gather in its yield, but on the seventh year you shall let it rest and lie fallow, so that the needy, so now here's where he's caring for the poor, so that the needy of your people may eat, and whatever they leave, the beast of the field may eat. You are to do the same with your vineyard and your olive grove. Now, that is a very interesting thing that God said, that 
you know, if you have land, you're not supposed to farm it that year and just let it grow what it grows so that the needy may have of it and the, the animals of your herds can eat from it, but you are not to uh, replant that year. Now, that's a challenging thing. And I think part of it is, is God wanted to challenge Israel to trust him. And it doesn't appear that they did this well or almost at all. And in fact, uh, this is going to be part of the reason many, many years later that there's going to be, they're going to get deported to Babylon. And I'm not saying that this is the specific reason they got deported, but the the 70 years that they spend there is going to be because for seven for uh for 77s of years they didn't uh allow their crops to they they planted they didn't do what God asked so then he took one year for every seventh year they didn't do that and said because you were unfaithful in this this is how I'm going to time how long you're going to be in captivity in Babylon. Isn't that interesting? So this is something that they ended up being unfaithful in. And um, there was a consequence for it. Six days you are to do your work, but on the seventh day you shall cease from labor so that your ox and your donkeys may rest, and the son of your female slave as well as your stranger may refresh themselves. Now concerning everything which I have said to you, be on your guard and do not mention the name of other gods, nor let them be heard from your mouth. Now we see the Sabbath again, and you know, I, I kind of have a picture that I want to share with you because we're going to see some things that we, in the rest of this chapter, that we no longer do exactly like they did it back then. And this is, a, I think, a good way to explain it. If you can picture this in your mind, we are built on now the foundation of Jesus uh, and the apostles and the prophets. But the, the, the Old Testament, you know, which is a bigger part of the Bible, is the foundation of, of what we believe. And our New Testament is built on the foundation of the Old. And, but now, even though the Old Testament is our foundation, and we, let's say we were building, doing a building block, we'd say, okay, well, we put down that, that stone of the Old Testament, and now we put the New Testament stone on top of the Old. It's, it came after, and it's built upon the Old. But now, if you could almost like look at the Bible through the top stone is really what we would do. We, we view now the Old Testament through the New Testament lens. Even though the Old Testament is our foundation, and we need to know the foundation, and the New Testament is built on top of that, now today, in this day and age, because we live in the New Covenant era, we look to the New Covenant to help us understand what's in force in the old. So although you start from the bottom up in building something, right now we look through the top down to understand how to uh, apply the Old Testament laws today and how the New Testament interprets how we are to apply that today is how we are to apply it today. So. That's going to become significant, you know, always. It's always significant as we look at the Old Testament, but we'll see that even today. Three times a year you shall celebrate a feast to me. You shall observe the Feast of Unleavened Bread. 
For seven days you are to eat unleavened bread as I commanded you at the appointed time in the month of Abib, for in it you came out of Egypt. So that now became a seven-day festival that began on Passover, and they would honor Passover, and then they would celebrate the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And none shall appear before me empty-handed, and also you should observe the Feast of Harvest of the first fruits of your labors. That's likely Pentecost, which came 50 days after Passover, when you would have your first crops come in, and you would celebrate those first crops, Pentecost, uh, 50 days later. From what you sow in the field, this is verse uh, 16, also the feast of ingathering at the end of the year. So that's when you'd celebrate the end of the year crop, when you gather in your fruit of your labors from the field. Three times a year, all your males shall appear before the Lord. And this would be beneficial to the people of Israel to have these times where they would come together in fellowship and honor God and what he has done for them and thank him for how he's provided for them. Uh, as we've talked about before, the Jewish people really knew how to celebrate, have festival, uh, uh, celebrate God, uh, get together and have ceremony. Now, again, looking at the New Testament lens to this, we should know all this stuff. But, you know, the Apostle Paul said, let no one judge you as to like festivals, new moons, Sabbaths. So we don't really do these things today. We should still know them, but we don't do them in the New Testament church. We're not Jewish anymore. We're Christian. And, and we don't, celebrate these the way that they did. But I would argue we should be celebrating and remember all the things that God has done. You know, it's just that it's not a law like it was then because we're not under the law. Verse 18, you shall not offer the blood of my sacrifice with leavened bread, nor is the fat of my feast to remain overnight until morning. Now you remember, remember in the Passover, they, they were supposed to eat what they could of that lamb, they're supposed to eat it all that night and have unleavened bread. And by doing that, by eating, even when they celebrate in the future, by finishing it and having unleavened bread, it would remind them of how God provided for them uh, on Passover. You shall bring the choice fruits of your soil into the house of the Lord your God. You are not to boil a young goat in the milk of its mother. That's interesting. Nothing that we'd really think about today. Apparently, that was a pagan way of doing things, and God was separating them from doing things in a pagan way. Uh, you know, and back then, it's interesting to think about in verse 19, that you'd bring your choice first fruits of the ground to God and, and make an offering of that. And there's something to be said for first, first fruits today, uh, that we should be honoring God with our, our finances and the first fruit of our finances. And because we love God, we give of what God has provided for us, and we do it first um, because it brings honor and glory to him. So that's a thing that's kind of brought into the New Testament regarding giving that concept. But anyways, moving on to verse 20, Behold, I am going to send an angel before you to guard you along the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. So he's promising them the promised land, and they still have not been punished because they're going to end up spending 40 years in the desert. doesn't appear that would have been the way it could have been originally, but because of their unfaithfulness, they're going to, they're going to let a generate, God's going to let a generation of people die out in the desert because he wants to bring in a new generation that he thinks will be more faithful than this one. We'll see that in the days to come. Be on your guard before him, the angel and a boy's voice. Do not 
be rebellious toward him, for he will not pardon your transgression, since my name is in him. But if you truly obey his voice and do all that I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. And this had to be comforting. You know, think about being this people, this horde out in the desert and thinking about you're going to go and take over a new land and all the people and armies of the other nations around you. And, you know, war was brutal. And, you know, if God wasn't going to be with them, they'd be annihilated, you know, and he's saying, listen, honor me, follow me. I'm going to take care of you. And I will, I will be an enemy to your adversaries. I'll be with you and how much they needed that or they would never succeed. For my angel will go before you and bring you into the land of the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and I will completely destroy them. Now, this is the land that God promised Abraham, and God's going to make sure that they get that land. But it's going to come through war, and a lot of people are going to lose their lives. And this is a, this is a, a thing to learn and know, and listen to what it says next. Because it says they're going to destroy the people of that land. Now, why? Well, look at the very next verse. You shall not worship their gods, nor serve them, nor do according to their deeds. But you shall utterly overflow them and break their sacred pillars in pieces. But you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will remove sickness from your midst. There will be no one miscarrying or barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. I will send my terror. Uh, that uh, sometimes could be translated like hornets, but terror ahead of you. And throw into confusion all the people among whom you come. And I will make your enemies turn their backs to you. Oh, here's the hornets. I will send the hornets ahead of you <clears throat> so that they will drive out the Hivites, the Canaanites, the Hittites before you. I will not drive them out before you in a single year that the land may not become desolate and the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. I will drive them out before you little by little until you become fruitful and take possession of the land. There's the be fruitful and multiply. I will fix your boundary from the Red Sea to the sea of the Philistines and from the wilderness to the river Euphrates, for I will deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand and you will drive them out before you. You shall make no covenant with them or with their gods. They shall not live in your land because they will make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. Now, this is a, distinct season in history where God has developed a family. He's brought them out of Egypt. He's now going to take them to the land that he's promised Abraham. And one of God's greatest concerns is that they will not worship him alone, but they they will worship the false gods that are all, all around them and the people. So God does something that we look at and say it's it's harsh. He He wants Israel to come in and and take over and and not allow the people of the land to live with them, to annihilate them, and to set up his country in the promised land free of all of the false gods of the na nations around them. He's trying to create a, a pure people. It's almost like God is trying something. He's like, 
he's testing man. He's going to allow them to come into this promised land. Will you purely be able to worship me? This is what I'm desiring of you. I only want you to worship me and worship me alone. If you go into this other land and all of a sudden you guys take in all these other gods of all these other people, and this never turns out to be what I wanted it to be, how sad of a thing that that would be. And God knew their inclination to worship false things around them. So he wanted to set them up in a pure way where they could worship him alone. And that's the that's that was the mission that God had his people on. And sadly, it's not going to end up working out well. They will not annihilate everyone. They will indeed allow people to live in their midst, and they will sadly indeed worship idols and false gods all around. Now, a lot of people would look at the Old Testament and they could turn here and say, wow, I can't believe that kind of a thing happened. And we'll see this happening you know, as we get into Joshua and see the, the conquest and conquer of the promised land and things of that nature. And they, but, you know, we have to look at this with a New Testament lens. And now today, you know, Jesus came into uh, the Israel, what was the Israel territory, that was no longer theirs anymore. Uh, they had a temple and there were Jews there worshiping, but they weren't even in charge anymore. They had lost their land uh, because of their unfaithfulness to God. And now we're trying to win people to Jesus Christ. He sent them on a mission to go make disciples, to be his witnesses, to plant churches, not only in that region now, but all over the world. And he's not doing it through war. He's not asking us to wipe people out anymore. It's a completely different dispensation. It's a completely different age that we live in today. And the way that God now is going about uh, his mission to have people fall in love with him and worship him and spread his gospel is not through war. It's through winning people to Jesus Christ. So this is part of our foundation that we should know and look at. But we have to look at it through a New Testament lens, and God's not asking us to do it this way anymore. But we still need to learn how he did it back then. And ultimately, he still wants people to not be messed up in false gods. And how many are there today, sadly? And what he wants is people to worship the one true God and his son, Jesus Christ. And may we be a part of that mission today. Hey, you know, I would like to ask you, would you consider rating this podcast? Would you consider at whatever platform you're looking on, there's a way to to rate this. And the higher the ratings that we have and the more positive reviews and ratings we have, then it gets moved up so that more people can find out about this teaching and Lord willing benefit. So would you consider that today, taking the time to rate this podcast? I really would appreciate if you'd give us a a full five-star rating or however it is that they allow you to rate it. Uh, Thank you for that. May God use that for his glory and God bless you all.